Good morning. Welcome to Bright City Church. So glad that you're here. My name's Nick. Um, I'll be leading us in the Word today. Um, I tell you what, hey, let me pray for us real quick, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Father, I am just uh, grateful for this morning. I'm grateful for uh, a place where we can gather. Uh, Father, I just pray that, um, that this would just be a time and a place where no matter where we stand with you and no matter how we feel about you, that we would just know without a doubt uh, that your power and your presence are real. And so, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just uh, give us your power, give us your presence, give us uh, just the ability to know uh, that you are real, you are reigning, and you are ruling. Um, And, Father, I just pray that you would just uh, continue to just uh, show us uh, good things in your word. And, uh, Father, I just pray that you would do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Last week, uh, Jess uh, led us in... uh, talking through Luke 4, where it was the temptation uh, account of Jesus. And so we're kind of going to be there again this week. And one of a few things that she talked about all wrapped around, how do we feel when it comes to temptation? Um, my wife is an amazing feeler. She feels all the things. And so it was only appropriate that she led us into like, what, how should we feel uh, when it comes to temptation? And there was kind of a few things that she said uh, in how we feel. And maybe you feel these things apart from uh, you probably weren't even here last week, or maybe you didn't even understand, or whatever it is. Sometimes you can feel these things either way. One of the things that she said uh, was sometimes we can feel discouraged uh, when it comes to temptation, why is this happening to me? Why does this always keep coming up? Uh, or maybe defeated. Why do I always feel defeated when it comes to temptation? Even if I give in or do not give in to the temptation, why do I still feel defeated? Why do I feel like I'm always feeling tempted? Or maybe it's I don't feel tempted and I wish I felt tempted. Uh, and then she talked about being disqualified. And maybe if, if there is a chance in your life where you feel uh, disqualified. And so there's these three things that are wrapped up into temptation, uh, discouragement, defeat, and disqualification. And I think sometimes, whether we know God or not, some of those things creep into our lives. And one of the most beautiful things about God's Word is it gives us a posture of victory all wrapped around Jesus. And so the most beautiful thing is that we as humans probably feel those things, whether it's now or whether it's in our past or whether it'll be in our future. But in Christ Jesus, He gives us the opportunity to have victory. There's a way that he has set it up through his cross that we don't need to feel defeated and discouraged anymore, especially when it comes to the way and the things of temptation, because his grace and his forgiveness cover those things. We don't need to feel discouraged because we are tempted or when we give in to temptation, because the most beautiful thing about temptation is that it is a sign that we are trying to walk and trying to do and trying to follow Jesus the best that we can, or that there is a great greater call on our life. Because of that, we feel that tension. So she talked a lot about how does it feel when one is being tempted. She talked a lot about shame. Man, just sometimes there are things that happen in our lives that make us feel overwhelmed with shame. And so one of the things I want to do today is rather than talk about the feel, I want to talk about really um, honestly the logistics of temptation. So like when does temptation come and how does the enemy tempt us? Uh, Recently, my kids have jumped into the homeschool scene, like half of them. So I got half in school, half in homeschool. And some of you are like, oh, Nick, that's so great. Like you believe in homeschool. 
homeschooling. It's not that we believe in homeschooling. It is that we have been forced into the mercy throngs and pains of homeschooling. And one of the things that they do in homeschooling is they give our kids an opportunity to kind of write down everything before they jump into a test. And I think it's the marker of my age where I'm starting to come out with like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be an old man because I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not fair. When I was your age, there was snow, I didn't have shoes, and I walked to school somehow even though I didn't walk to school, and they never let us use a cheat sheet. And so kind of what I would love to do this morning is I would love to give you a cheat sheet on temptation. I'd love to talk about when temptation comes, and I want to talk about how it comes. Because, as you will see, there's a lot at stake when it comes to temptation. God has not called us to perfection, but he's called us to walk in the way of Jesus. And one of the ways that we walk in the way of Jesus is we become more like Jesus. And the enemy knows that. And so one of the things that he is going to do is he's going to try to sacrifice your formation with temptation. And he's going to do that by trying to make you compromise your integrity. Like there is an integrity that God has put in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know that because when we see people that we know to be Christian not acting as Christian, like we use the H word, right? Like hypocrite. And then you start to hear that, you know, I'm not going to church anymore because of those Christians. Like I'm good with Jesus, but you know, it's the Christians that really get to me. And so we all have this thing in this way in us that knows that one of the things that is valuable when it comes to shining the light of Jesus is having the integrity of Jesus in you. And the most beautiful thing about integrity is it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a God who has purchased you in Christ Jesus on the cross, and he wants to make you more like his son every day. Can you imagine what would happen if a group of people committed to walking like Jesus every day? At Bright City, we call that the way of the bright. Can you imagine if there was a group of people that were committed to living out the way of the bright each and every day? And I believe that when you see this, you, the enemy knows that. He's like, I cannot have these people walking in the integrity of Jesus because if they do, they're going to shine. If they do, the world's going to see that Jesus is true and that he is the light of the world and that he does shine in and through his church and that his church is the hope of the world and that his church has a future for our culture and that one day he's going to call his people to be with him and he's going to use that as a sign for the age to come. And the other thing that is at stake when it comes to uh, temptation is not only integrity but injustice. If you think about all the injustice in the world that is going on right now or in your life, it's usually because someone has succumbed to temptation. There is some leader, there is some CEO, there is some person, there is some person, places, and power, whatever it is, there is something out there that has compromised their integrity and for the sake of a temptation and in result of a temptation, and that has led to an injustice. If there are things in the world that irk you, it is because Satan has got into somebody's life and he has caused them to sacrifice their integrity. And when they have sacrificed their integrity, it has brought up an injustice. And sometimes those injustices are small and sometimes those injustices affect a whole nation. 
Like when you think about countries that are under rule and reign and they are just persecuting and killing and just wiping out their nation, it is because the enemy is at work. And so I want to talk about how when we figure these things out, it gives us a way to shine the light into darkness because darkness does not overcome the light. And so when we walk and through temptation and we handle it in the way that God has gifted us to handle it, that means that we have our integrity intact and that we can fight the injustice of the world. So when does temptation come? The first time or one of the ways that temptation would come is in spiritual abundance, spiritual abundance. And so let me uh, read Luke uh, 1, our text for today, starting in Luke 1. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will, be all, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift, up, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your feet against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to a test. And when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And so going back to that first verse, when you talk about spiritual abundance, that's when you talk about temptation coming at its full. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so God is doing a work in Jesus's life right now. If you remember before this, like Jesus had an amazing battle baptism part like he was had an amazing baptism service there was the heavens parted and God's voice came from heaven and he spoke over him he says hey I want you to know that this is my son he is loved he has my delight and so there's a lot of amazing things happening in Jesus's life and what I find is that when God is doing the most in my life is when the enemy wants to come against me the most and maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've experienced like, hey, I felt like God gave me this amazing experience and he was doing this thing in my life and all of a sudden I feel tempted like I've never been tempted before. I think that the calling of God is broken on my life. Like something happened where the service was out. Maybe it's like Xfinity where it drops all the time. Like I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. But one day I was in spiritual abundance, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, eyes on God, focused on the prize, and all of a sudden temptation came out of nowhere. Uh, John 10.10 10 says it like this, and I love this verse. This was a big verse in the starting of our church because we wanted to be a place where people experience abundance. But with abundance comes temptation. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So at the intersection of your abundance is temptation. 
So when, when we're reading this and we're watching Jesus walk through this scenario, if God is wanting to do something in your life that breathes new life and that causes you to walk in new life, you can be assured that the things of your old life are going to come with that. And you're like, man, when Paul said that I was going to be a new creation, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Why is the old still there? Like, why does it keep coming against me? Well, the beautiful thing about it is when you are walking in a spiritual abundance, you can be assured that temptation is on the way. And I say beautiful is because you can read the enemy's email. If you know that God is giving you a season of abundance, if he is giving you a season full of the power of the Holy Spirit, if he's giving you a season where he is just pouring out his abundance, you are having an amazing time walking with him and following him. You can be assured that temptation is coming. So temptation comes when we're in spiritual abundance. Another time temptation comes is in spiritual and physical weakness. Going back to that verse in Luke, it says that when he was full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And this stopping right there, you're like, oh, no, 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 I would be weak too because I need some like lights and some cable TV and some air conditioning and some shopping malls and I just need some civilization and I've got to go to P.F. Chang's. And like if, if those things are in my life, then I am good. And if those things aren't, I am in weakness. And then let's go back, sorry. And then it says, um, let him out. And where he was in the wilderness, and for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of it, he was hungry. No figure after one missed breakfast, I am hungry. So it's in the spiritual and physical weakness. It's when he was alone. It's when he ate nothing. It was when he was hungry. It was in the wilderness is when the enemy came. And for us, I think that looks like stress. I think that looks like long days. I think that looks like being overworked. I think that looks like not getting sleep during the night. Have you ever had nights where you didn't get sleep and you were woken up at the same time every night or there was something that broke in your house or can I get an amen for the chirping smoke detectors? Why do they always chirp at 2 a.m.? Like, is that a thing? Like, when they make them, like, from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., that's when this thing chirps? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's how they made it. Maybe there is a lot going on in your life and you just feel super overwhelmed. And because you feel overwhelmed, you feel anxious. Maybe it is a season where you feel super, super alone. And I think, I think, I know that when the enemy sees us at our weakest, he sees an opportunity for him to come in and to make us weaker. And so it's in these moments when we are spiritually and physically weak, he knows. He knows that when we are not at our best, that's when he's at his best. And he comes in and he tries to tempt us in those moments. So he does it in spiritual abundance. He does it in spiritual and physical weakness. And the last time when he comes in is when you are heading in the right direction when you're heading in the right direction. So when you go back to this Luke passage, it's saying that, God, that Jesus was being led by God, by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness because that's where God wanted him to be. 
And I think a lot of times when we head in the right direction and we're trying to do the right thing, we often wonder why it feels so hard. And if it feels hard, why does it feel wrong? Have you ever felt that way? It is like the best things and the most right things for our life feel the most wrong to do. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to take up something that is so good for you and how easy it is to quit something that's so good for you? Have you ever noticed that? You're like, hey, it's January, it's January 26th. Like, I, I know. I know I'm so far behind in my Bible reading plan. I'm so far behind in my eating plan. And the Super Bowl is next week. I don't know what I'm going to do because I love some buffalo dip and some wings. And then I'm so behind in this and I'm so behind in that. And I just want to quit. I said I was going to get up at 6 a.m. But man, have you ever noticed how easy it is to sleep at at 8 a.m. versus getting up at 6 a.m.? Have you ever noticed that? And I think sometimes The hardest and the most right things heading in the right direction are the hardest things for us to do. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to come to church? Have you ever noticed how hard it is to read the word? Have you ever noticed how hard it is to tithe of your income up to the Lord? Like people have been walking with Jesus for ages. Like we have been doing this church thing for over 2,000 years. You would have thought like tithing is easier right? Like we don't go out and milk our own cows and say, hey, where's the milk coming from? It's coming from that cow. No, no, no. We're like in the land of like almond milk now. But for whatever reason, for 2,000 plus years, tithing is still hard. Serving is still hard. Sacrificing for the sake of another is still really hard. Getting up and going to a job and providing for yourself or a family is still really hard. There are really hard things in our lives that are really right things and that mean that we are heading in the right direction. And the enemy wants to do everything he can to make us give up the right things and say yes to the wrong things. And so if you feel like you are in a place right now where you really want to quit the very thing that you know you should keep going in is usually the time where the enemy is trying to tempt you the most. I mean, I find that in my life so often. Like, I used to live in life, and I used to say, hey, God, if this is you, show me. Show me. If this is you, like, I need a sign. If this is you, I need this. If this is you, I need that. Like, if this is you, please tell me. And I find myself stop looking for com- uh, confirmation from God and start looking for confirmation from the enemy. Because if he is resisting me in some area, in some relationship, in some commitment, in some marriage, in my relationship with my kids, in the relationship with my calling, and all the things that I have going on in my life, if there is resistance in those things, that means I'm heading in the right direction. And so I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if there are good and right things and you find yourself heading in the right direction and it is so very hard, the chances are you're going in the right direction because the enemy wants nothing more than for you to give up those things. And that's when he's trying to press in. So when does the enemy work? He works when we're in spiritual abundance. He works when we're spiritually and uh, physically weak, and he works when we're heading in the right direction. So that's when. Now I want to talk about how. How does Satan tempt us? First, he tempts us with self-sufficiency. We go to verse 3. It says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
And so for some of us, we're looking at that like, man, I don't understand that. I eat bread all the time. And then if you're gluten-free, you're like, man, I totally understand that. I've been off of bread for like five years, and I really, 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 really want some bread. Like you see pizza, and you're like, the cheese is just not enough. I need the whole thing. I need the bread of life that is found in the pizza of life. Like when you're reading this, like you understand it. But I think if you look a little deeper, the temptation is not to eat or to eat or not to eat. The temptation is, will you become sufficient on yourself? Will you become dependent upon yourself? And the enemy knows that the more and more he can put independence in your life means that you need to be less dependent upon God. Like, if you ever had a moment where you are waiting on God and you're like, God, I just really feel like you're calling me to wait on this. God, I really feel like you're calling me just to, you know, wait. And then worry sets in. And then you're waiting some more. And then you're waiting some more. And you're finally like, I, I just think I need to work for it. Like, I, I just think I need to make it happen. And so what looks like a temptation to eat when you're hungry is actually the temptation for you to provide for yourself and take your own needs into your own hands. When you read the scripture, when you read how God sets things up, like when you start in the creation story, it is a story of stewardship. Like God saying, hey, I've given you things and I just want you to steward them. He didn't say make the trees. He didn't say make the sea. He didn't, make, he didn't say make the animals. He didn't say make it happen with the land. Like he didn't say any of that. He said, I made it happen and I want you to take care of it. When you read and you get further on into the story of God, he starts talking about this good news in the gospel. And the gospel is not a story or a good news of you providing for yourself. The gospel is a story about how you've been called up into a greater story where he provides for you. And so from crust to the cross, God is providing for you. And so if you have needs and you need to eat, he is going to provide for you. So when he's giving the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 6, and he's saying, hey, I provide for the birds. I provide for all the things that happen. Like when we slept last night, things were still happening, right? When you laid your head down, the world was still spinning. Everything was still going. And so he is calling us into a story where his provision is from him, not us. And the, too often, the enemy wants us to get to a place where we meet our own needs. And here's the craziest thing about meeting our own needs is we do a horrible job at meeting our own needs, don't we? Like, have you ever tried to fix something going on really badly in your life? Like, have you ever tried to fix it? Man, like, we make it so much worse. Like, it was just this one thing, and then we're like, man, I just should have waited on God, and, you know, I took it into my own hands, and then I met him or her, and then it got worse, and then I said, you know, no, 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 for six months, I'm not seeing or dating anyone else. And then she comes along and you're like, okay, this is it. I, I think this is, like you just continue. Like I, when we try to meet our own needs, our mistakes compound on themselves. I mean, they, they do in crazy, crazy, crazy ways. When God calls you into the story of the economy that he's made for your life, it is one of daily provision and one of eternal provision. And so when you find yourself trying to save yourself by doing the right thing, he's standing there saying, hey, don't listen to the enemy. I already saved you on the cross. 
Like I became the sacrifice so that you could be satisfied. Um, I've been reading this book. Um, man, it is such a good book. It's, uh, it's called The Book of Waking Up. And he, this guy, he's talking about addiction and all these things and how he came into sobriety. But he doesn't call it sobriety. He calls it waking up. And one of the things he, he says is he classifies pain in three ways. The first one is loss. The second one is abuse. And the third one is scarcity. And I had never thought about that. But we do not like to be in scarcity. Because when we sit, like if you ever been, like if you grew up like in a home where you just didn't have a lot, like it reframes the rest of your life. Like you make every decision not out of abundance, but out of scarcity. Because that pain has marked you. And the enemy knows that. He wants you to buy the lie that you are in a story of scarcity, not abundance. And so with every moment he comes into your life and he's trying to work in your, in your heart, he's trying to get you to provide for yourself. He's trying to get you to say, hey, it's okay to be dependent upon self and not dependent upon God. Like it's okay that you work to do this. Like chances are like, yeah, just, just go for it. Just, just stop waiting and start working. And God is setting up a people and setting up a kingdom where we are reliant on him and he meets every need that we have. And the proof is in the cross. If he went to the cross, then he's gonna meet the needs that you have in your daily life. Can you see that? Like the hardest thing that could ever happen in the greatest need that we ever have, he met that need. If he met that need, how much more will he meet all of your other needs? And so when Jesus is being tempted in this moment, the temptation is to form some crusty bread out of some rocks or to wait on the heavenly feast that is coming from angels. Like at the end of the story, he's saying, hey, the angels are going to minister to Jesus in this moment. And I think too often we compromise and we go to our own independence and we are eating crusty bread in our lives when Jesus has provided a heavenly meal for our lives. And so when the enemy wants to tempt, he wants to tempt us into self-sufficiency. What has God promised to provide for you that you are done waiting on? Like we all have those things in our lives. Like we all have that thing that we're trying to wait on because we believe that God has promised to provide it. And after a while, we'll stop waiting and we'll start working and we'll take matters into our own hands. We are not made to meet our own needs. Only he is. And so when you talk about getting caught up in the gospel of the kingdom of God, it is God showing, like when you read the gospels, it is God showing his disciples over and over and over again, I'm going to take care of you. And all the enemy wants to do is make you believe that he is never going to take care of you. Like in this country, in this moment, People are working themselves to death because somewhere along the way they thought of the idea that no one is going to take care of them unless they do. And the message of the gospel is that there is a God who sees you, who loves you, who has set you free, and he is going to take care of you in ways that you have never imagined. He's going to do it. And I think a lot of times, just to set, the, set it straight, it is not about him giving you prosperity. 
Like some of the most cared for moments in my life have been when I've had the worldly least. Like some of the most cared for moments in my life from God to me is when I have had the least when it comes to this world. Like there was a time where we were making X amount of money and I was like, that will never happen again. I will never experience that again. God, you, I'm, you better not ever do that again. And then the next year, we, I think, had one more kid and made way less. And he, in those moments, I have never felt more cared for than in those moments. And so this has nothing to do with prosperity and everything to do with his provision. He is a God who provides. And when you look at this moment and when you look at this story and when you look at this account, it is the enemy screaming in your ear that he's never going to show up. He's never going to provide. He's not going to come through. Uh, you know, that thing that he said that, you know, you, you, that you can't live on bread alone. And like, that, none of that's true. Like, he's not going to come through. He's not going to do it. And God is saying over and over and over again, I'm going to come through. And the proof is in the cross. The second way that the enemy wants to tempt us is through self-progress and self-power. So going to verse 5, says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Let me pause right there and just say that there are a lot of self-professed, anointed leaders and people of power in the world, and it looks like God has given them their power. And this is just proof right here in the moment that the enemy gives power to people and it makes it look like godly power. So he says, all this power has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so in our life and in this culture, we live in an age of progress, right? If you are not getting better, if you are not hustling, if you are not striving, if you don't have influence, if you don't have popularity, if you don't have power, if you don't have authority, if you don't have all these things in your life right now and figured out by the time you're like 21, are you really doing anything with your life? Like, do you feel that? Just me. Okay, good. All right. I'll skip that point. Well, number three. No, I'm just kidding. Like, it, <laughs> When you look out into the world, there is a story of everyone having power, everyone having authority, everyone having influence, everyone getting mad progress in life, everyone getting so many things going for them in their life. And what we see here is that that is a temptation of the enemy. He is crafty. He is asking, there will come a time in your life, if there hasn't already, where he's going to ask you to compromise who you are for progress. There is a quote that is from, I think it's Andy Stanley, and I will never forget it. Never sacrifice your integrity for progress. And so when you read the scripture, whether it be Daniel, whether it be Nehemiah, whether it be Jesus, there is always the temptation to compromise who God has made you to be, the way that he has put your life into place, and how he has formed your heart for progress and power. 
It might be in a small way. It might be in a big way. But there is the temptation for us to do things in the quick and easy way rather than working for it and walking with God and trusting him with every day. Um, One of the craziest things about the enemy in this moment, and you need to know this in your life, is that he will promise you things that God has promised you, but he will do it in ways God hasn't promised you he'll do it. And so when you read this passage with Jesus, he's saying, hey, Jesus, I'm going to give you all authority and all power and all influence. Here you go. Just bow down and worship and serve me. But what is going on in the greater story of God, he's like, hey, Jesus is going to have all power. He's going to have all authority. He's going to have all influence, but it doesn't come through worshiping Satan. It comes through the cross of Christ. And so just to show you the compromise of what could have happened, if Jesus bows down in that moment, he doesn't go to the cross, which is sacrificing you and I salvation. And so when you are tempted to sacrifice unto the enemy rather than unto God, it is going to come at a sacrifice for others. When you think about the injustice that has been done and is being, that is happening in the world right now, it is coming because someone has sacrificed their integrity, their character for progress and power. Like when you look at it, you're like, man, that is the struggle. The struggle is that people are sacrificing whatever they can for power and authority and they're using it wrongly. And that is coming from the enemy. He wants us to sacrifice the things that God has given us. And so there are things in your life that God has promised you. And the enemy is going to do whatever he can to get you there by his means rather than God's means. And so when it comes to a relationship, or when it comes to intimacy, or when it comes to community, when it comes to not being alone, like those are things that God has promised you. And now here is the struggle. Will you do it by your means or will you do it by his means? Because those are things that he's promised you. But the question is, is are you going to make it happen? Are you going to wait on him to make it happen? Are you going to bow down and do things the enemy's way? Are you going to do things the way of God? When it comes to finances, God said he is going to take care of you. But are you going to do it in a way that upholds integrity? Are you going to do it in a way that steals from others? When it comes to your life, God has promised you abundance. Are you going to find it in the pleasures of the world and you're going to make it happen yourself? Or are you going to find it in the pleasures of him and who he's made you to be? Every day there is a temptation for power and progress over your life that has nothing to do with the way of God and how he's written it on your life. And the enemy knows that. He's saying, hey, I want you to come in and I want you to compromise and I want you to turn your adoration and your attention on something else because he knows that if he can get our adoration and our attention on him, then it's off of God. And your devotion is the compass for your life. Who or what you're devoted to determines the future that where you're going. Like when you give your devotion and your adoration in your attention to another, that means it takes it off of God. And so what do you do and how do you function when you're waiting on God to give you the things that he's promised you? You do it through serving and worship. So Jesus says, hey, I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm gonna worship the Lord and I'm gonna serve him only. Like if you read on later on in Luke, just past this moment, like it's the reminder, Jesus is reminding us over and over and over again, The world is going to give you a direction and a path to power and progress, but that's not the way of the kingdom. 
the kingdom, power and progress comes through being the least, right? So Jesus is going to say, hey, if you want to be the greatest in my kingdom, then you must become the least. If you want to have power and progress, you must love the little children. If you want to have power and progress, you must serve the Lord. If you want to have power and progress, you must worship me. And so when we worship and when we serve, God is doing power and progress onto us on our benefit. Like when we are worshiping and when we are serving, he is working on our behalf. And that is so hard to understand. It is so hard to do because it seems so counterintuitive. Like if you want power and progress, you just go get it, right? Like that's how the world has programmed this thing. Like, I think too often culture is leaking in the church rather than the church leaking in the culture. And he has called us to not be a church where we allow the culture to leak in and then put our ways on the ways of the culture. He's calling us to be a people where we live in such a way we leak into the culture. So he's saying, hey, if you want the power and the progress that Jesus has promised you in the kingdom, then you need to do it in the way of Jesus. Like when you think about your life, like when you think about the scripture, like he says, hey, you are an ambassador of Christ, God making his appeal through you. And so what are you gonna become an ambassador of? Christ or of the world? Like those are the options. Like, hey, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. This is Jesus, and now I'm giving it to you go do the things I've asked you to do. And so we don't like that. We're like, no, 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 no. I'll just find power and authority somewhere else. All authority on power, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, there is a power and there's authority and there is a progress that has been given to you and the enemy is gonna wanna do everything that he can to get you to sacrifice who you are and the thing and the story that God's written over your life for power and progress and authority. We are to wait on God. So what have you sacrificed when it comes to your devotion for progress? I think too often, like when it, when it comes to the world and when it comes to the way of the world, we get caught up in the hamster wheel of the world and we never realize it. Like when we just say, you know what, if I just live this way in a season then in a season, I'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. Like, that's like with guys, like, that's why sometimes we're like, man, if I, just, if I just hustle now and I'm not home now, then I can, I can, it'll be fine. I can be home later. And you're like, if I can just spend my 30s doing that, and then we reach our 60s, and we're like, okay, I'm still doing that. My kids don't know me, and my wife doesn't know me, and all I've done is give my devotion to a place of work rather than God's work in me. And so it happens subtly, it happens very slightly, but he is wanting to turn our devotion and our attention and our worship into the culture and away from him, away from the Lord. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to believe that self-progress and self-power are the way. But God has given you a progress. You are his handiwork. You are his workmanship. He has created you to do good works in Christ Jesus before the foundations of the earth. And so if you just stay on that path, then he has power and authority for you. But it comes in his way, not your way. The enemy is going to want you to do his way to get to the thing that you think God's promised you. 
if it's a relationship, if it's finances, if it's a job, if it's whatever it is, he's going to present you with the option of saying, hey, you can do this my way or you can do this God's way, but you need to know my way is so easy. If you just do it right now, if you just do it right now, it'll happen. And we have to be willing to put our feet down and say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to compromise who God's made me to be for the things that God has for me. He will give us those things. So self-sufficiency, self-progress, and power. And the last thing that the enemy wants to do is tempt us in self-promotion. Verse 9. The devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands and that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so when I say self-promotion, I mean prove yourself. Like when the enemy is coming into your life, he is going to make you try to convince you that you have to prove yourself when it comes to God. When Jesus was being baptized, uh, God spoke this over his life and us being co-heirs and heirs of Christ, we get this spoken over our lives. He says that you are a child of God. You have my approval, you have my love, you have my delight. And then from there, the enemy comes and he says, hey, I think you need to prove yourself to God. I I just, you know, I don't know why. I mean, here, let me quote Psalm 91, which is crazy, like that the enemy knows the word, which is why we should know the word, right? Because he's going to use it and twist it. And he's saying, hey, I think think you need to prove yourself right now. And Jesus is like, why would I need to prove myself? Because I've already been proven in Christ Jesus. When we are in Christ, then we have Christ in us. When we put our faith on Jesus, he puts his faith in us. He puts his expectancy in us. He puts his approval in us. And so that when God sees us, when he looks at us, he sees Christ in us. And so the most beautiful thing about the gospel is you are done proving yourself. Like we live in a culture that wants to make you prove yourself all the time at every turn, at every moment. When you get in your job, what is the pressure? to prove yourself so that you can get more money, so that you can get more influence, so that you can get more authority. Like at every turn and every moment, there is going to be the temptation to prove yourself. But you have already been proven worthy in Christ Jesus. One of the other things that I find that when we are either trying to prove ourselves is if we're not trying to prove ourselves, we're trying to make God prove himself to us, right? So in this moment, like the enemy's like, hey, we're going to work on some self-promotion here. We're going to work on being proven and prove. And so have you ever found yourself with God saying, God, I just need to prove yourself in this moment. And so the enemy's like, hey, Jesus, you jump so that God can prove himself. And Jesus is like, he is going to prove himself. He's going to prove himself when I hang on a cross. And so too often I find in my own life, I am caught in self-promotion because I'm either wanting to prove myself or have God prove himself to me. And what the gospel offers, what Jesus offers, is a peace and security. Have you ever noticed in life, like those people that have like the crazy peace and the crazy security? You're like, man, what kind of Buddha, Zen power thing you got going on where nothing phases you, like you are good, like you have the internal peace that is just like unshakable and you have this security, like people just don't 
care who people think, what they think about them. Like, you ever known those people? You're like, man, I wish I didn't care what people thought. I wish I didn't care. I wish I didn't care. And over and over and over again, there is a temptation to prove ourselves secure and to prove ourselves in the peace that we have. But the peace that we have and the security that we have do not come from how we prove ourselves, but how Christ has proven himself on the cross. You don't need to do any more self-promotion because at the right hand of God sits Jesus, and he is constantly promoting you before the Father. I mean, that's crazy that you have an advocate in heaven for you right now, and so you don't need to prove yourself to God. He doesn't need to prove himself to you because he already has on the cross. Like we walk in full forgiveness. We walk in full grace. We walk in full mercy. We walk in full love. We walk in full delight. We walk in full approval. And it is all because of Christ Jesus on the cross for us. And that is what we've been given. So we've been given full approval in God. We need not approve, uh, have to promote ourselves when it comes to God. So what now? What do we do? Um, I want to just give you a few things because I think it's really great to hear a sermon on temptation, but then it's like also like, well, I've been doing this wrong and I meet my needs every day and I know I should be waiting on God and I'm all about the power and progress and all the things of life in this world and I feel like I'm constantly having to self-promote myself every day. And so what now? One of the first things I want to tell you right now is that in Christ Jesus, he is setting up a new way. The Bible calls it a new covenant where there is a fresh and new forgiveness. I want to read this passage. I came across it again this week. It's Jeremiah 31. This is, this is God speaking to Jeremiah, and he's like, hey, there's coming a day where I'm going to do something new. And so I'm just telling you that day is right now. It says, no longer will they teach their neighbors, say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And here's the part I wanted you to hear. For I will forgive their wickedness or iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And so when it comes to temptation, when it comes to God, and when it comes to putting our trust in Jesus, and when it comes to relying fully on the work of Jesus on the cross, and the forgiveness, and the grace, and the mercy, and the peace, and all the things that flow to us from Jesus, is this overwhelming hallelujah scream from heaven that you are forgiven. And so I don't know what you're walking in here with, and I don't know what kind of things that have gone on in your life, but what I do know is when you look at the word of God, there is a forgiveness of God that is unlike anything else. And it's not like this like sweep it under the rug forgiveness where it's like, okay, let's just pretend like that never happened. It's this forgiveness where he looks exactly at what we've done and all the ways that we've succumbed to temptation. And he says, I see it, I forgive it, and it is gone from my memory. He doesn't remember it anymore. And that is the power of the cross of Christ in our life. Another way that we can move on from temptation is in trust. Every opportunity of temptation is an opportunity for us to trust God. If you think about every relationship that you have on this earth, it is about trust, right? Like, do I trust this person or do I not trust this person? 
Do I trust who they say they are or do I not trust who they say they are? And every temptation is an opportunity for you to trust God. Do I trust him? Like when you're reading the disciples and all the craziness that they have going on, it is a daily exercise for them waking up and not trusting Jesus and then Jesus proving himself. And then they're like, oh crap, I should have trusted him. Or when Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water, he's like, trust me. And then Peter doesn't trust him and he's like, oh crap, I'm drowning. And then he helps him up. And then when Peter goes out one day, he's like, man, I'm telling you, this guy is the Christ. This guy is the Messiah. I don't know who he is. I've never seen him in my life. Like every day is an exercise for you to trust God. That is what a temptation is. It is an opportunity for you to trust him. So when it comes to your sufficiency and independency, will you choose dependency? Well, that is a big choice because it involves trusting him. With all the things that God has promised you and written over your life when it comes to power and authority and progress, all the things that God's called you to, will you trust him to do it in his way, in his timing, in his power? That is an opportunity of trust. Or will you find yourself trying to prove yourself to God or having him prove himself to you? Or will you just trust him? And one of the only ways I know to have a way of trust is in words, right? Like when you have a relationship with someone, it's like, man, I just how do I trust them? I don't know. I've known them for a while and I've heard about them for a while. And, you know, they, they tell me that they love me and I love them. And so what I'm looking at here is thousands and thousands of years of God saying, I love you and I need you to trust me. And so when you're looking at this account, it is Jesus looking to the word of God. If you think about that, like he has all the power all authority. He has the ability to call down fire from heaven, and he walks through temptation with the word of God. And so when it comes to your life, one of the best ways that you can trust God is to get in his word and know what it says and use it against the enemy. And here's the craziest thing. I said it earlier. The enemy knows the word of God, and he's going to misuse it. He's gonna misuse it. He's gonna make you think that, he, that God really didn't say that. He's going to make you doubt and question God's word. And so when you are faced with temptation, you've got to root yourself in God's word. And here's the crazy thing is that there is an opportunity for us to resist the enemy and he flees from us. Like when you resist the enemy, he flees from us. And so it might be half of a really bad uh, memorized verse. Like does anyone have those? Where you're like, oh, God, he loves me, Bible tells me so, uh, for God loved his, the world, only son gave. Like even in those blunderings, he is going to flee from you. Like you do not have to be an expert of his word. You just have to be dependent upon his word. That's all it is, is you saying, God, I trust you. And I trust you because of what you've said in here and what I know to be true in here and I'm going to use it as a weapon against the enemy. Walk in the forgiveness of God today. If you have given into temptation, you are so forgiven in Christ Jesus, and walk in trust in God today. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. All you have to do is trust him. Let me pray for us. Father, I just ask that you would uh, just lead us in a time of 
of trust and dependence. Uh, Father, I just pray right now if anyone's facing uh, a um, just the temptation to take matters into their own hands when it comes to their provision. Father, I just pray right now that you would unlock the provision of heaven over their lives. I'm not talking about wants. I'm talking about meeting needs. Father, I pray that you would provide in a supernatural way. Father, I just, if there are people here who have bills that need to be paid and they're doing everything that they can, they're living on a budget, they're living within their means and they still don't have enough. Father, I pray that you would provide for them in the name of Jesus. Father, if there are people here that are waiting on some sort of uh, just provision of community, provision of family, provision of relationships. God, I pray that you would provide it. I pray that they wouldn't take uh, matters into their own hands. I pray that they wouldn't make a bad decision. Father, if there are people here who have just worked their ways through the culture, gaining influence and power, Father, I just pray right now that they would have an overwhelming sense that you take care of them. You've got them. The things that they have promised them are going to come to fruition if they just wait. Father, I pray that those dreams that you've written over their life, God, I pray that they would wait. I pray that the desires that they have to serve you, maybe it's in another country. God, I just, I pray that they would wait on you. Father, if you have uh, released a call on ministry for people, God, I just pray that they would wait. Father, if you have a life of power and authority uh, in some sphere and culture for somebody in this room, God, I just pray that they would wait. Father, if you have literal promotion for someone, God, I just, and they're getting frustrated and they're just like, how long is this going to take? I pray that they would wait. Pray that they would trust you. Father, if there is anyone in this room that has just found themselves in a cycle of trying to prove themselves to you and prove themselves to the people around them, Father, I just pray that they would know right now that they have already been proven worthy. You have adopted them. You have called them. You know their name. You know how they are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know the hairs on their head. You know all things. You have delighted over them. You love them. Your approval is on them, and there is no need for them to do anything to prove themselves to you. Father, I pray that if uh, there are people here that are... uh, waiting on them to prove yourself to them, Father. I just pray that they would open up the word and see the way of Jesus. Pray that they would see the perfect one who walked this earth, who lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died and was raised to life for their behalf. Father, in the miracles all the things, all the supernatural things. Father, there is no more need for you to prove yourself to them because it has already been done. It has already been finished. And so God, I just pray that you would send your power and your presence in this moment right now. And I just pray that they would need no more proving from you.
Father, I just pray right now for a spirit of forgiveness. I just feel like there are people in this room that are having a hard time forgiving themselves. God, I just pray that they would know that it has nothing to do with their forgiveness but yours, and yours is absolute. Father, would they just receive your forgiveness right now? Would they just receive your grace? Would they just receive your mercy? Father, I just pray right now if if they are struggling to forgive someone who has sinned against them, Father, I just pray that they would know without a doubt that um, you will vindicate them one day. But right now in this moment is a powerful moment of forgiveness to be set free, to release the hate and the bitterness. Father, I just pray that you would release a spirit of trust on this place. That we would just trust you, that we would take you at your word, that we would take you at your presence, that we would take you at your power, that we would take you at your provision, that we would take you at your presence. God, I just pray that we would be a people who trust you. In Jesus' name.